Hey everybody, welcome back to Feedback Loop. I'm Jeremy. And I'm Joey. And this week, the album that we done did listen to. The album we did, the album we listened to, the album we enjoyed. I enjoyed. At the yeah, I was about to say, don't speak for yourself. <laughs> I will speak Jeremy. for myself as Jeremy, and you will speak for yourself as Joey. We listened to Every Time I Die's latest album, Low Teens. Uh, I guess not latest, depending on when you listen to this episode, because their new album is on the brink of releasing. But uh, 2016's Low Teens album by Every Time I Die. I really enjoy this album. And it kind of like, it surprises me how much I enjoy this album because I'm not typically into a lot of like punk music, which is what I would classify this as. Maybe Joey's going to yell at me and tell me, tell me I'm completely wrong. But uh, I saw them, they opened for uh, Mastodon and Coheed and Cambria when they came through Louisville a few years back and I was blown away. And I've listened to this album constantly since then. I really enjoy this album. Uh, I'm- what you you've had experience with every time I die previously, right? Yeah, I mean, so I used to play a lot of like metal guitar, and I used to play a lot of Guitar Hero. And mm-hmm. every time I die, had a what they had a song on one of the first two uh, Guitar Heroes. Oh, interesting. I don't think. And I, that. I think it was the New Black, but it didn't sound anything like this album. It, it was <laughs> yeah. So pretty this different. album is also. I've been led to believe that this album is fairly distinct. Like this, this is the band kind of pivoting and going in a new, a newish direction, which kind of makes sense. I mean, again, I saw them with Mastodon and Coed and Cambria. Coed and Cambria is obviously a very like prog rock kind of band. Uh, and Mastodon has kind of also been pivoting towards more like progressive stuff. Uh, so it kind of made sense in, in that concert. And I don't know. I fucking, maybe that's why I love this album so much. Maybe it's just a good concert experience, but uh, I, I don't, I don't have any fears, you know, of, of talking. I, I feel like Joey's gonna like this. I'm not, I'm not sitting here in fear, trembling, for for what Joey's gonna say about track number one, fear and trembling. Nice, nice. <laughs> See, I was, I was trying to think of a fear and trembling in Las Vegas type. Yeah, deal. that's where my mind always goes as well. Because <laughs> I mean, fear, fear and loathing in Las Vegas. Yeah, obviously a big pop culture thing. I don't know if that was a basis for the, the song title, but I. In my research, I read that it was a, uh, I guess Keith Buckley, yeah, like he's, he's an English guy, or not an English guy. What the fuck am I talking about? He's like <laughs> an English major type dude, like oh, likes books that makes, and that stuff. Makes sense. And fear and trembling is actually, it has something to do with literature. I'm terrible and don't yeah, remember. We are, we are not English majors. It was okay. It was it was a book by existentialist philosopher Soren Kierkegaard. Okay, so just from that, the fact that 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 is something that exists, right, and that Keith Buckley is an English English major who's clearly read philosophy things, I feel like this has to be a success for you, right? You have to love this album. Do I? You have to. What do you feel about track number one, Joey? Okay, I do really like it. Like, <laughs> I I don't know if I quite love it because mm-hmm. it didn't hit me in like the deep personal way that. Sure a lot of like i guess albums that i would put on love but i think it could get there because i really like the sound of it so you said it sounds like punk i i don't disagree but it's like hardcore kind of like yeah it's like a post-punk like hardcore punk type deal where i i would also consider it like a metalcore type thing where it's like a newer harder metal as opposed to like heavy metal or 
any sort of hard rock or anything like that. When I hear metalcore, I tend to think like newer, newer stuff, like Bring Me the Horizon and kind of like Architects and stuff like that, where it's just like, I don't know, maybe this is just semantics. I get it in there. I I, I get, I feel like this in, in relation to my context of music, again, I haven't listened to a lot of punk music. This is more on the punk end of metal. And like, I mean, I guess there's a lot of like thrash metal and stuff in here too. Yeah. But like it it feels more on the punk end of things than metalcore for me is much more clean and produced in my experience. See, the thing about this album and this style that they do, it it's mainly the music that gets mm-hmm. it for me where it in like more specifically the guitar cuz like the guitar on Fear and Trembling, it starts off alone, a little bit chunky and it's playing like this weird kind of off melody and yeah. that that style runs through the whole album. And that's the part that I could see it being kind of like a metal core. It rem- There's parts on the album where the actual metal part of it reminds me of like a Southern sludge metal type yeah. type thing, but it's not quite the, the sludge is kind of gone, but it's got kind of the same sound, I guess. Yeah. I, I guess for relational purposes, they sound like a more punky Mastodon. I kind of thing where, where Mastodon has that like that southern kind of sludge feel, especially in a lot of their older music. But it, it's I don't know, it feels more raw and visceral for me, which is why I've, I keep calling it punk. But genres aside, yeah, I, genres I, I, aside, I really do like this album and this track. Yeah, me too. It's just like yeah, like it starts off with that cool chunky guitar, and then the drums lead in, and the song starts to get thicker, but it still keeps kind of that offbeat like guitar part but then it's just this very heavy and lumbering intro and then around the verse is when everything really kicks in and it starts to get like the big heavier metal sound like it's like a hardcore like punk and it just like the guitar keeps breaking into the music with these higher register kind of like slams like Mm -hmm. it's not i don't even know how to describe it (laughs) but it, it reminds me of I guess metal that I would have heard in like 2007, but the natural progression of it. Right. Like, like it's like a blending of all the popular genres into this one super cool punk metal deal, I guess. Yeah. It's very groovy. I I think it's almost like it's like rise against esque in some Mm -hmm. of their older stuff. Yeah. So, so maybe it is more like, commercial slash produced than than calling it punk but but yeah it, it's there's so much energy in it and this is something that i complain about a lot with, <laughs> especially in metal it's just when certain types of metal feel too big or energetic i tend to trash that but not in this case i fucking love it there's just i don't know every time i listen to this this album it's just this constant barrage of like speed and thrash and stuff that i just feel like i have to mosh to and Keith Buckley's vocals, I fucking love. I don't know what it is about it. It's just, it's so like visceral and it's it's expressive. And where, where like Corbin, it has a very, very good voice at expressing sadness and sorrow. I feel like Keith Buckley kind of hits the same thing, but in a more aggressive, angry way. Definitely. Where it just like, God, it, it, it makes me feel things. It moves me. <laughs> Several times on this album, I described it as like screaming, but it's not like screaming like in a screamo <laughs> band or it, right. 
it's actually just he's him just like, screaming. He, yeah, he's literally just like belting his his fucking rage and pain, and it's just oh god. And it's awesome. Yeah, they also musically a lot of this uh, album and even on this track, there's a lot of like there's so much good riffage mm-hmm. with the guitars. They have they go wild with the riffs on this on on their guitars, and it kind of like I don't know it again it makes me maybe because i saw them in concert they're almost like mastodon-esque riffs in a, at a lot of points just because there's i don't know mastodon has a ton of great riffs but like the the tone of the guitars and just like i don't know it's got such a nice groove to a lot of the the riffs and that's something that i've noted way too many times in my <laughs> notes so i'm going to try not to be super repetitive but i do just like i know there's such a, a great groove feeling with a lot of the riffs on this album Yes, I agree, but I'm going to keep some things for ne- for plain, plain other songs. That way, I don't like just fucking blow out in this first song. And not have anything to say for the rest yeah. of the album. Because yeah, I kind of felt that way with my notes, but we'll see what happens. There's definitely some even cooler things sure. on this album. But uh, lyrically, this song, it comes in and I think... Like I didn't, I tried not to read any of the artist notes and stuff. I just like read the lyrics and listened to the lyrics. Um, I think the song is just about accepting death and not being afraid of it. Like picking mm-hmm. up, I was picking up themes of making the best of what you have currently because there's no like guaranteed afterlife. You don't know. You're not owed the rest of your life. You're not owed anything. You just right. have, you have now and you need to do whatever you can to, I guess, make your life good make the people's lives around you good to just do what you can with your life while you have it yeah so there are two themes on this album i did kind of look into some of the artist notes and stuff because i mean i really like this album and i I thought it was interesting but i saw uh, around the time of this album's writing keith's wife uh was having like life-threatening pregnancy issues so she was pregnant with his daughter and she was having some medical conditions that were complicating things so a lot of this album was written about his experiences dealing with that and with that kind of lens overlaid on that uh this this song to me at least seemed like it was about keith being willing to sacrifice literally everything he had to ensure that his his wife and daughter survived the experience so far or going so far as to like steal from the reaper he says or breaking into the reaper's uh, locker or something like that and breaking into heaven to like get what was his back like he's like He's ready to die for these people because it, it's the the second main theme of this album that I got is kind of like that this changed him as a person for, for better slash worse. We'll, we'll talk about that, but this was like, this was, this album is a, a big turning point in his life. I think for in many different aspects. And one of those is that like now he's, he has a daughter on the way and he has a wife that he loves and he's ready to like throw it all away and, and do literally anything to make sure that they survive these complications. Well, hell yeah, Keith Buckley. I mean, not that that happened, but for, cause that's, I, I could definitely got themes of this being a turning point yeah. on the album. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess just for full context, this album also like maybe not this album, but the experience of having his daughter, and everything being in kind of jeopardy is the main like underlying change of this album. Whereas previously he was like an alcoholic and he had a lot of like drug issues and stuff. And like experiencing those things kind of made him stop living that life. And so a lot of this album is him kind of processing what that means for him going forward. 
Well, hopefully he doesn't run into any glitches on his uh, path to, I guess, continued path to staying, sobriety. sobriety, to fatherdom, fatherhood. Yeah, which and, is something that you've experienced. Kind and of. I kind of had a similar reaction, but not. it wasn't as... I was never in as dire of a situation, I would imagine, as Keith probably, <laughs> yeah. probably was. And I, I also, I, I wouldn't say that you were an alcoholic, per se. Exactly. Like, I just, I cleaned my act up yeah. in, in a pretty decent all good fathers would do. Yeah. But yeah, I, I've totally talked over your excellent segue. Track number two is Glitches. <gasps> this one. Dude, so this is where you really get that punky feel in the intro. He's got, they yeah. got the pick scrape, and then the drums, and it just like... It just hits you with even more aggression. It's just turned even more up at the beginning of this. It mm-hmm. has like, I guess, a lot of more, I guess, typical rock sounds, but it's got the punk, the the metal, the, I guess, whatever that Southern groove is that they yeah. kind of have per- going through their music. It's just all combined and it just punches you right in the fucking face. This is definitely a mosh song. Somebody would be throwing hands to this song at a I concert. That's, that's <laughs> me. Like, I don't know. That was the biggest takeaway I think this week for me is that like, I, a, I miss live music. I miss going to concerts and B, I just like listening to this just makes me want to punch someone in the face and just like get out there. And, and I think at one point I literally like wrote that I was feeling like I was just like, riding on on a barrier somewhere that's just ready to like push it down and like open up a giant mosh pit on the other side of some like police line or something it's just it's so like energetic and aggressive i love it yeah i love it too like aggression is something that when done right i think is one of the best emotions to get through in music when because there's so much like metal out there that's yeah it it, It feels fake (laughs) yeah and it feels it's kind of kind of how not to just diminish a whole genre, but but a lot of modern country music. Yeah. Right? It, it feels like it's written from a, a place that isn't genuine, where they're just writing about things that they know. So and a lot of that I feel towards a lot of modern metal as well, just because it like, I don't know, it seems trendy. And yeah. so people are cashing in on those trends and just like writing the same shit over and over again because it sells. Yeah. And like you look back to, because it started in such an authentic place. People who... You could write about anything with whether it be horror movies or your love of like crazy, extreme, gory situations that you couldn't otherwise get out or just actual pure anger or just, I mean, in in a lot of punks cases, bashing against the man, man, like just rage against the machine, you know, raging against the machine. (laughs) And now it's like everybody just distilled those values down to one thing and it's like they're just feeding a little dropper to every band that's like okay here's your distilled cheesy sounding vague anger that you can throw right. over some riffs and it's yeah. uh with with some some straw man yeah to, to, to government to go against without without actually inciting a riot or anything yeah know? because you don't you don't want to you don't want to make people think too much you don't want to make people feel too much <laughs> Because then they might actually do things. <laughs> yeah, and this album, this album makes me want to do things. Granted, not necessarily in a political way. Just like I don't, it's, it just it energizes me, and I, I love that about this album. Yeah. Lyrically, uh, this one was a bit harder for me to chew on and to kind of get a meaning out of. 
but I think what's clearest to me is that this, this seems like Keith had abandoned his past life in order to find some sort of clarity on his situation with his wife and daughter being jeopardized or whatever. And the song seems to acknowledge that even though he had changed, the world around him had not. Just because he was able to find something new within himself when he kind of returned to his old life or returned to the world, he realized that nothing had really changed and the world was still a chaotic mess, which is both terrifying and relieving to him, it seems. It seems like he knows that like he he's not in control of everything. And so part of that is relieving and like it, it removes the burden from him. But there's also this kind of unsettling, begrudging, like, I, I'm not in control. So whatever happens, I'm just here experiencing and I can't do anything about it. I took the not in control part more to mean, I guess, that he was worried he was going to fall back into whatever habits he used to have. Like, I don't know, still the same old devils makes me think yeah. of, and he was an alcoholic and is worried that he could get back there. Like he's still fighting the same battles, but he's just, he's worked at it, but there's always the voice in the back of your head. That's like, you can just go back. Like, yeah. You can just, you can just do it again. Yeah. But, I think that's an equally valid uh, interpretation because again, that that is another one of the big themes on this album is his kind of struggle and fight against his old life. Well, that's very nice. We're both valid in our, in our own ways. People. Valid people. I, I, I give that a rating of C plus. No, you know what? C plus plus. What's the most that? lukewarm of of fuzzy wuzzy acceptance? Wouldn't that just be like a B minus, a C plus plus? No, that's C plus plus is just under a B minus minus. You know, well, it's it's breaking down like a ten point scale into a hundred point scale. You know. Okay, I got you. See, I love the 10 point scale but i guess my love of the 10 point scale will get me killed so i have to move to this perfect. 100 point scale <laughs> perfect track number three c plus plus in parentheses love will get you killed it's a subtitle kind of thing one thing i title? do yeah i don't i don't know what it is subtitle there we go subtitle that's that's already a thing Alternate a lot title. of the a Secondary lot of the, title oh, a lot of these that. songs are uh like under three minutes long and yes. that is another, they fit so much aggression into those three minutes where it's just like, they're like, okay, we could uh, spread this over six minutes and make it like a, a journey. But no, we're just going to like fucking beat the shit out of you for three minutes. Because yeah. this song, the bass is real rumbly here at the beginning. It doesn't sound like as much of, I guess, a hardcore sound as the previous right. two songs. The vocals are less harsh while the sound is bigger it's not necessarily as heavy like there were parts in the previous two songs where i used bear in my notes but it's not actually bear it's just not you're not surrounded by sound it's the sounds that are hitting you are just like hitting you but you can still like distilled it's like pure yeah like it's not surrounding it's just direct i guess and this one it sounds more like a hard rock kind of post-rock Mm-hmm. song and it reminds me of a band that i don't know if i ever talked to you about called maylene and the sons of disaster i'm pretty sure i had mentioned them at some point because i was not sound familiar okay i was recently uh i guess i got like a hundred gigs of my old music off of my mm-hmm. parents computer and that band was on there it had dallas taylor from another band i don't remember what other <laughs> band dallas taylor it was it was a huge like 
I guess, screamo type band. But this, he did like a Southern metal type band that I liked a lot more. And this kind of reminded me of that, which I put it on the list. Cause I, I really enjoy this track. Like I, I know this track and several others on the track really just like accent the fact that like they use so many different riffs and they transition between sections of each of their songs. And again, these songs are three minutes max most of the time and they fit so much riffage in each <laughs> one and they transition expertly between them. Like a lot of times it feels like they just wrote a bunch of riffs separately and then tried to weave them together. But it's not like, it's not hastily like jury rigged and duct taped together. It feels like incredible to hear the, the transitions between them, especially in this one. And there's like a post chorus kind of section where he screams, the sun is out cold. It just, I love the flow <laughs> and the groove to, to that section. Just it, I don't know. I, I just, there's so much groove in this album. I love it. There is, there's a ton of groove, man. And I was going to point that, that section out because man, his, just his voice. Yeah. <laughs> like it's just, even when he's not like doing the full on screaming, it's still, there's just such a power to it. Right. And man, it's nice. It, it fucking gets it. There was a, I, cause I do remember on the Guitar Hero game, whatever one that I heard this song from, they specifically called out Keith Buckley in one of the like the loading screens. Mm-hmm. And that's the reason them calling him out is what made me want to look them out because look them up at the time because I was like, well, they're, they're mentioning him by, by name. He must be pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. And if, if the music would have sounded more like this, I think I, it would have caught on earlier <laughs> with me. Yeah. And again, this is kind of like, this is a transition for him as a person, but I think uh, some of the notes I saw later on in the album, he kind of said that they've never done an al- a song as long as the longest track on this album, which is like five minutes. And he like, he wanted the band. He kind of, he kind of just like let the band go. Cause I mean, he was dealing with his wife and his daughter and stuff. So he was like, just, he, he wasn't, I guess, as involved in the musical section of it, but he wanted them to kind of push themselves or they felt like they needed to kind of push themselves out of their kind of typical sound. So I, I do think this album is kind of an outlier on that aspect. The lyrics on this one seem to be more direct in the, in the almost losing, like, I guess the childbirth complications or the mm-hmm. the pregnancy complications that his wife was having. Uh, C++, I don't entirely know where the C++ part comes from. I know it's like, it's, it's a comp- like coding language, programming yeah, language. I, I, but... I'm not sure because, I mean, the last track was, was called Glitches. So I'm I'm wondering if there is some sort of meaning there. But the only thing I could think of within the context of the song was that it was uh, kind of a fun, short way to say uh, critical care center, which would be CCC. Mm. So he just okay. said C++. I don't know if that's actually like factual or not actually factual. I don't like the way that sounds. <laughs> but, but yeah, the, that's the best that I got out of it. Yeah, I was I didn't know if it was just like a vague thing that maybe he didn't understand because it does seem like he's. Like, I don't know, I gotta plead with your machines, I'm at the feet of your machines. Yeah. It makes me think, like, he's just, like, pleading to stuff that he can't control again. Like, he's in, I don't know, C++ machines. 
computers computers programming yeah fake computer words i actually saw a quote from this song that i actually really liked and there's a it's a much longer quote but i kind of pulled a section of it out so it didn't ramble too long but he said the point of the song is that death is always an option that's what i was thinking when i was writing the lyrics we don't have to do this if we don't want to there is another option there's always a way out and i feel like saying that is so taboo people always say oh my god no you have to survive through everything you have to do everything possible to survive. And I don't feel that way sometimes. You got to keep going. You just got to keep going. I feel like sometimes that might be really bad advice. That's what he, end quote, I suppose. And that like, I don't know, it's so good. Yeah. I agree is. with that 100%. And maybe that's, that's just because I'm pessimistic and negative. But like, th- th- that I think in context of this song, he like, he, he's coming to acceptance that there's a very real possibility that his wife could die and that it's out of his hands and there's nothing he can do about it, which again, isn't necessarily a bad thing. He's ready to face that possibility, but there's also some lyrics in here that kind of make me think he's, he doesn't really want that outcome. Despite the fact yeah. that he, he's accepting it could happen. He's still trying to stay positive. He's still looking for anything. He's ready to like, say like, look, if, if things are going to work out, I'm totally down for that because that that's obviously the better result but he's not just saying like oh no no matter what happens like you have to survive kind of a thing because yeah it, there's a very real possibility that that's not going to be the outcome yeah I'm like and to speak even more to his quote like i don't know saying that you have to pull through whatever i feel like that's pretty damaging especially not only for him or for his wife, I guess, to have yeah, to have that sentiment pushed upon her whenever she's going through, I'm guessing just some insane complications. Yeah, just... I didn't look into like what was actually going on. I didn't feel the need to, but yeah, it it could not have been pleasant. But then also for him, after the fact, like if that outcome were to happen, mm-hmm. and somebody's just like, you just got to pull through, man, and he's like, he's yeah. pro- like that's yeah. not what you want to hear, like <laughs> for sure, for sure. Because it's that's just death. Death is a tricky thing, and that that was another part of uh, I think that quote. He just talked about how like people are so afraid of death and afraid of talking about death, and he kind of like wanted to normalize that throughout this album. Just like just kind of o- opening the door if people would, were like reading into the lyrics and understanding what he was going through, that maybe it would just open the door for a more like honest, I guess, discussion about death and why it shouldn't necessarily be a bad thing. Even though yeah. like it, it's so ingrained in society that like death is is the worst possible outcome. I mean, I, it's not a great outcome, but it's. I don't think it's the worst. Keith Buckley, if you ever want to come on the show and yeah, talk absolutely about, talk about the reality of death, I mean, we we could be here for two <laughs> summers. But like, <laughs> <laughs> nice track number four, two summers. Joey's <laughs> fucking expertly weaving it in this one uh whereas the last one was a bit more melodic and it wasn't nearly as as energetic uh this one you can immediately just feel the energy building back up with this pounding kick drum the toms come in and the guitars knock down the door to bring in the the song uh the pre-chorus kind of fakes you out a bit at least in my experience because i already knew where the song was going there's like a pre-chorus but it doesn't go into the chorus it kind of fakes you out and goes into another verse and then gets to the chorus and boy, that chorus, I just, I love, <laughs> I love the vocal melody in the song of the chorus, the groove of the band, 
it's just it's so like warm it's buttery smooth i just i love everything about the chorus on this one and then there's a cowbell that comes in and resets the momentum which is kind of fun hell yeah uh, and then the outro of the song there's like an outro section again they have so many different sections of their songs and they're not necessarily like cleanly like pieced but they're all transitioned masterfully but uh the outro is just fucking perfect and it, it just there's so many good riffs i love it dude yeah i love the outro it is just great like it completely changes up the song like the yeah. beat the tempo or maybe not even the tempo but the feel like it's like listening to a song at full speed and then with like a halftime feel type difference. Yeah. But uh, the beginning of this song, it sounds like something I want to listen to while I'm like driving way too fast. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> like, I just want to be like, like just I, I definitely listened this. to this album on the last day of my road trip for sure. Hell yeah. It's just, it's so powerful and it, it just keeps me on my toes and it makes me want to move real fast yeah because i mean the music does it's it's like it's got some like speed and thrash metal like roots in it and it just they fucking kill it with the the energy of all of this album pretty much so lyrically i couldn't quite pin this one down other than just the general feeling that it was about growing up and remembering past mistakes and if they're still affecting your life kind of like I, it it put me in a a thought of thinking he was writing it about his life, I guess, before he had his yeah. daughter and just remembering that time. And if there's any baggage that comes with that or the people from that point in his life, I guess, and just having to deal with those relationships or re- repercussions from that time. Yeah, that's pretty much exactly what I, what I got <laughs> out of it. That it, it's it's him where he, he's kind of acknowledging his past, but he's running from it in some aspects where he's saying like, I, I, I was this person kind of, I, I hopped from party to party from person to person and never really like stuck with anything. And now he's kind of older and wiser and trying to get his shit in order, but there's still like some fallout of that past life. That's kind of haunting him. Yeah. Sometimes you can do an awful lot of damage with, with, a, with your past life with uh, a few mistakes, but and with your Sounds future like... life, if you if you have a crystal ball, but yeah. I, ain't, I ain't in your crystal ball. I am, however, going to move on to track number five that you segued off a lot. Dude, you segued with a lyric into my segue for the next song. How'd you do that? I just want. I just really like the line where he says, "I ain't in your crystal ball." So I oh. want to say it. Okay, that sounds right. Track five, I'm off a lot. Crystal ball. <laughs> Dude, are you Keith Buckley? I am. I'm, that's why I wanted this uh, the promo from my album that came out five years ago. Hell yeah. yeah. Track number five, off a lot. This one starts off with some, some ripping drum fills that kind of lead in. And it, it again, it, it maintains this intense energy from the, the last track. Uh, the chorus hits and he screams barbarians. I just love that section. <laughs> the music perfectly captures that kind of like driving war beast feel kind of a thing. Uh, and then the drums and the bass, they cut out and they leave the guitar to just ride on like a high note while Keith repeats the refrain. And then the band comes back in. There's just some excellent riffage again, like always. And then there's kind of an interesting outro. This isn't really one of my favorite tracks on the album. This might be my least favorite one. If I had to pick one, I still like it but uh, there's an outro in it 
that just out of nowhere it kind of like cuts to this like detuned piano that that's maybe like playing on like an old vhs tape kind of a thing and i thought that was a very interesting and out of out of the blue transition for this album yeah this is a a cool song i feel like i've heard the end of it before that yeah. like the last maybe minute of the song that why can't it be the year 2000 i want to live in the year 2000 yeah i don't know I don't know what it is about it. I'm sure I haven't heard it, but I feel like I have. I feel like I have, but I've also listened to this album a lot in the past couple of years. <laughs> but even that, it definitely feels that kind of like that nostalgic kind of like maybe like Tony Hawk kind of yeah. punk energy, punk rock, indie rock kind of thing going on with it. Maybe it was on a Tony Hawk game set. No, wait, that wouldn't work. I was about to say set in 2017. But, uh. <laughs> they had music from the future when they released it. Whoa, man. <laughs> that would blow my mind. Yeah, I don't know what it is. It definitely, like, maybe, it, I mean, I feel like it was almost intentional because, again, he, he's saying, why can't it be the year 2000? I want to live in the year 2000 kind of thing. So he, he's like, maybe they, they just, like, picked some common riffage from those times and like okay we're gonna fit this in we're gonna write like an early 2000s riff to kind of help drive the point home that like this is the era that we're trying to capture well it worked and uh it i i i can't figure out what this song is about honestly and i (laughs) i I know it should be should be clear but i i think it's kind of an extension of the last song where it's realizing like the relationships with people in the past are gone. Like they were only there for the good times, but I can't, I can't definitively say what do you, yeah, what are your I, input? I, I feel like this is kind of continuing the theme of him changing from the past self, like you mentioned, but it almost feels like he, he's kind of like missing the past life a little bit. Cause I mean, he, t- he talks like he says, we used to talk to God with acid on our tongues we were divine when we were drunk. So like, clearly he's talking about his like former life partying and stuff with a bunch of people. And then he cuts to like the barbarian section and he's kind of like maybe talking down to those people. Uh, And I think I read, I don't know if it was in an annotation or if it was an official quote or anything, but it seemed like he was referring to his friends that are still in that kind of world that don't respect his choice to change. Or maybe he just fears that because he's becoming sober, he's not going to have those people to kind of back him up and he, he feels like, and I, I guess this is maybe spoilers for later tracks, but he feels like so much of his identity was tied up in that kind of lifestyle. And that's who he was. So there's this kind of fear of leaving that behind. Yeah. That's, that's a bad time whenever your uh, identity gets into your vices and they become entwined. Like, yeah. Which it, uh, is very much what happened. And we'll, again, we'll get to that in later songs i think he talks more about that or at least i the notes or the interviews that that genius cited we're talking a bit more about that but uh i, I don't i don't know how to segue this one <laughs> well it's fine i was, I was we, just kind of rambling trying to, to make something happen but it didn't happen yeah i mean i didn't want to join your stupid segue cult anyways so nice. we're, yeah. <laughs> track and, number yeah. six <laughs> I didn't want to join your stupid cult anyway. Is the, the track title. This, this one. This one. No, this one. This, this one, one right here. It. it this hits. next. This next verse though. This next track right here though. <laughs> <laughs> it it hits the more punk energy. Like mm-hmm. it hits back, and I really like it. Like when the guitar cuts out and it's just the bass and drums. About thirty seconds in, 
it just feels something about it feels super yeah. punk and it's just got some real good energy and you know this is this was where the album started selling me even more not that i wasn't sold immediately but right. hearing this song i was like you know what okay okay i, I think i, I like that i think, think I like this, this was more. this is one of my favorite tracks on the album well hell yeah it's, Ain't it's that just it's, super it's, cool it's just so good it's so good it's got a lot of like fun sections again uh with like there's like a bridge section that slows things down and then it like builds back up with these like blast beats and shit and it has this big breakdown at the end and it's just like i don't know the energy in this track is so unreal and i I noted here that like i want to be at a live show rocking the fuck out to this because it's just it has that kind of energy for me one day jeremy one day i don't know man not not the way things keep happening concerts keep getting postponed and moved because people are dying and being stupid both of those things. Yeah, separately, but also not together. <laughs> yeah. One is causing the other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But this one, I feel like, I, I don't know. A lot of these songs are super short and I don't notice it, but this one, I kind of feel like just as quickly as the song started, it's ended and it, it I want it to be longer because I really like the song. But then you can just listen to it again. And it's true. You know, it. Oh, wait. Lyrics. You were, you were trying to segue. <laughs> I was trying, was trying to segue. <laughs> no, this song, it's about its about sobriety. He's starting to get sober, and he's realizing that being a drunk is never what he wanted, so it's lost its appeal. Is that right, Jeremy? Uh, yeah, I kind of took it as more of like a satire, but yeah, that's basically what it is. Like, I, I mean, the song's called I, I Didn't Want to Join Your Stupid Cult Anyway, and it feel, felt like it was just him being satirical about his journey to sobriety. Like, he's kind of brainwashing himself to be a better person. Yeah. kind of a thing and with with the, the the last kind of section of the song uh whoops what am i doing my notes what that did you not, do in that your is notes? not for the same thing but uh from the last song where he says like i, I want to live in the year 2000 it, it seems like he really does miss that kind of old rock and roll lifestyle despite being kind of committed to cleaning up his act for his wife and daughter so i think that it, some of it was maybe like tongue-in-cheek about saying like sobriety was a cult kind of a thing i mean you could say that about just like any anything. It's just, just some anything. just some cults are uh, promote a healthy lifestyle, and some there you go. Everything is cults. It's cults yeah. all the way down, and it always remembers. Hell yeah! There we go. I couldn't have done it, but I you did it. it. I, oh. I mean, it wasn't a clean segue. <laughs> well, you know, you did it better than I could because track number six, track seven. number seven, <laughs> it remembers. Here we go again. <laughs> I can't remember <laughs> what track number we're on. Nice. Track seven, it remembers featuring Brendan Yuri. See, that was a complete surprise because Spotify does not list a featured artist at all. And then like the third verse came in and I was just like, wait a second. Yeah, buddy. I know that guy. <laughs> that's a that's a voice I've heard. He's a very good singer too. So I mean like I'm super glad he's here. And I don't remember if it was around twenty sixteen, but he did kind of preview some metal stuff. A few years yeah, back. I think that was more recent, but yeah. More did. recent. Okay. Well, he's good at it. <laughs> Keith yeah. Buckley's a little bit better at it, but you know. I, I agree. I agree completely on this track. It I don't know. So this one it kind of starts with this almost money sounding lick, like oh, Pink Floyd's money. Yeah. Uh with it. But uh the guitar kind of leads off the start of the song. It's kind of slower and methodical than a lot of the more fast intense songs on the album. Uh, I really like the the play with the rhythm that they have with that kind of lead riff because sometimes they like hesitate and they let the, the the note kind of float for a second before landing, which kind of gives it almost a drunken feel. But it, I don't know, it's a really cool effect. I think uh, I really like the pre-chorus of the song. 
and it gets stuck in my head all the fucking time. Uh, where where he like he's he's singing I want oblivion all the time just over and over like I don't know why that gets stuck in my head all the fucking time. Uh, well, I like yeah. it's catchy. It it is very catchy. <laughs> this, this is not the catchiest song on the album. I don't think there is one later that I think I call out as being the catchiest, but that part does get stuck in my head. But uh, yeah, Brennan Yuri comes in. He sings a few lines for the chorus, which I don't know. It's not super out of place necessarily, but it definitely feels notably different from hearing Keith singing. And and it kind of like I don't know. It doesn't rub me the wrong way. It just I feel like it, it would have been better if it was just Keith singing. Yeah, I mean, I really like Brendan Urie's vocals. I'm not a a huge like Panic at the Disco fan or anything. Yeah, but like I like his vocal style. He's an amazing singer. But yeah, it was kind of just maybe it's because I wasn't expecting it yeah. because I I had no warning. <laughs> but I was just kind of like, what? <laughs> What's happening yeah. here? <laughs> yeah, and he does like they, they come back in, and I I don't know if it's a duet or if it's just layered differently. But Brendan Urie does sing later, and it, it it's it feels better because there's just like a bunch of layers, and there's like a guitar wailing in the in the background. It's just I don't know, it, it fits a lot better. But for the, the first chorus that I guess he sings, is it it I don't know, it it sneaks up on me. Well, you know what else sneaks up on me? The drums on this track, because I like the drums. The drums are good, and I feel like they should get more credit because oh, for sure. a lot of the transitions between riffs and stuff, I feel like, are made easier because of the drums. Like, yeah, there's it, a lot of drum fills in this album that go... They're, they're so, like... This is the thing. I, I noticed this about the album when I was listening to it. It's like, every time I would notice the drums, they're like, man... He's fucking getting it, but I never really like called out the drums in my notes because it was just like they're so smooth and they just blend everything so perfectly that like it's like a roadie that's just like running around in the back, just like <laughs> cleaning up everything and making everything happen that you just you don't even see it, you don't even notice it, and that, I think that's a credit to the drummer. Yeah, like you, if you're good at your job, nobody's gonna notice you, type deal. Yeah, yeah, I know that feeling. I was in technical theater in high school. <laughs> I was what behind a the curtain. Nerd. What a fucking nerd. I mean, I guess I can't. I was in it for like a total of like a year and a half because I kept getting kicked out. But <laughs> but I was in it whenever I could be. So there was that. Why are, you, why are you getting kicked out, Joey? Because of a lot of stupid things, you know. You a misbehaving young child? I was definitely not a behaving young child. I'll, I'll say that. <laughs> but yeah, lyrically, this one kind of seemed, at least to me, to cement the idea that he misses his old life where he's kind of like talking about the struggle to exist sober because it affects every aspect of his life being sober. And it makes him kind of feel isolated and alone without having some like a social crutch, I suppose to help him fit in. Yeah. That's definitely a tough deal whenever you get so wrapped up in it. And then like everybody you associate with is kind of like that. So to not only quit something that you're like addicted to, whether it be mentally or physically, mm -hmm. you then also have to cut out your whole so social circle. Right. You're basically becoming an outcast. It's like, man, that's uh, even if you want to give up some uh, whatever substance, it's then it's like, well, guess, uh, guess I'm not gonna isolate myself, so I got to keep doing this. Yeah, and it's it's like even further because you you've kind of at least in his case, it, he had been an alcoholic for like 20 years. And he'd been in that scene for like 20 years, cutting that out. Like he not only didn't have his old friends, 
but he wasn't really equipped to make new friends either because yeah. he, he never really had to do that without the use of alcohol and drugs to kind of make things easier social lubricants we'll say to make it easier to to meet people and to hang out with people so this he kind of like i don't know he he's he talks a lot about being alone and that that comes from the fact that like he finds it hard to integrate into quote-unquote normal society because he, he just he never learned how to do that without drugs and alcohol involved man fuck society fuck them let's all just get wasted and high all the time hell yeah let's <laughs> until all our petals fall off like some sort of dying flower there it is track number eight petal yeah petal was, well was just, yeah i tried you know try i just tried at least a little bit i'm upping your c plus plus to a b minus minus awesome that seems like it'd be worse <laughs> than c plus plus but no it's not <laughs> well the metalcore sound is back at least for me because i know genres are a wishy-washy thing between the two of us we don't know but, what uh, we're talking about yeah i i literally have no clue what i'm talking about <laughs> i just say things and hope they sound good but this song it sounds like super frantic to start off the vocals are real harsh on this one like a lot of this is where i really noted like the screaming but not in a metal screaming way just like yeah. he's actually just screaming because he's just so like into it and uh the music is all over the place and i feel like that it just really hits home with the lyrics and just the vocal performance on this this song it really makes it for me yeah i agree it kind of like it brings all of the energy that it needed to within itself but also kind of making up for the prior track not having as much of that energy and it just kind of like it, it fucking plows through and even like there's like a kind of an ominous contemplative section in towards the middle of the song but even that's kind of like interrupted spontaneously with some like chugging noisy guitars that just kind of like break into the calm of it during that and there's just like i don't know it, it the song kind of feels one note and less progressive than a lot of the other tracks but i think it works perfectly just because it's so like it's just this ball of energy amidst the the otherwise already like intense but more progressive and and more changing kind of aspects of the rest of the album yeah that's the thing whenever you are doing a lot like progressive and using a lot of different sounds you can have a a song or two that is one note or just the same throughout and it's not bad because you're not doing it all the time but it's just whenever you get into albums that are like (laughs) the whole thing sounds like one thing you're like uh why why am i doing this to myself <laughs> yeah speaking of why am i doing this to myself the lyrics oh god this one like i don't know this one feels like the most manic depressive song i've ever heard where he's just like he's screaming so much about how terrible his life is and how nothing feels meaningful and the only solution that he keeps coming back to is killing himself so he doesn't have to deal with life and, and the negativity that he's kind of experienced at least that's what i got from it that's pretty much what i got from it but I just thought it was in a context because of the severe complications, I guess, with his wife and his daughter. Like, I'm I'm guessing this was him spitting out a shit ton of, like, anger anger and just sadness, all, all of his feelings into one song. Because that's kind of what I got, like, that he couldn't save someone else. I don't know if this is some alternate reality where the worst possible outcome happened yeah. and... But it just seemed like he was upset that he couldn't do all he could to save someone else. And so he was just like, fuck it, I'm out. Like, this is, I'm done with this shit. 
It's what what's the point? Yeah, the song also has a Macbeth reference. What? Which I, I guess kind of leads back to the uh, the him being an English major. The whole the the ending section where he, he repeats "untimely ripped into this world." I was born again as a girl. Uh, untimely ripped is the wording that is used in Macbeth to uh, describe being ripped from from his mother's womb or whatever. Well, I've never uh, read or seen Macbeth, so me either. But it's all that in the genius notes, and I thought it was kind of interesting. So, like, clearly Keith Buckley knows he he knows things about books and literature, and yeah. maybe that that's why he's such a a great lyricist and screamy guy. <laughs> Yeah, I, I guess he came to music because it pays better than being a lyricist. Because I mean, even in your career, the coin has a say in what you what you end up doing. God damn, Joey, flawless! <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying, man. Track number nine: the coin has a say. <laughs> you're, you're getting you're a B plus plus now. Oh my god, am I going to make it all the way to A? We'll find out. But Next yeah. time on Dragon Balls. <laughs> you're powering up. You're going to get A++ and it's not going to be enough because where do you go from A++? It has to be A++++ and then plus, 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 and it's just, that's Dragon Ball Z for you. Hell yeah. And just keep adding new pluses. New, tiers, new pluses. SSBM++ plus plus whatever. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but the coin has to say, track number nine, this one just, again, just comes in loud and intense and aggressive as a lot of the tracks do. And at this point, I was kind of, like, doubting myself on how you'd feel about this. And I wrote, like, I can definitely see how somebody could say that it all sounds the same. But I don't think it's a bad thing at all because there, there's so much, like, fresh riffage that uses the same sounding instruments. So it doesn't really get old for me. And with the intensity of the music and how quickly the songs come and go, it just it feels like it's, it's more cohesive with the sameness, I guess. So like I, I don't I don't know I was just thinking about the the general tone and sound of their songs and how it, it could like it could maybe be perceived that that it all sounds the same, but I don't feel that way just because there's so many so many great riffs. Hell yeah, there are uh, the ri- the riffage is real on especially on the second half of the album. I think like it gets yeah. as the album goes on. I guess I won't discount the first half, but as the album goes on. I feel like the riffage gets even better, but maybe, maybe that's just, maybe that's just me. I think (laughs) I could see how people who don't listen to a lot of like rock or metal, like Mm -hmm. if there's people out there who only listen to like pop rap, R and B country, like never get into more modern rock metal. I could see how it could all sound the same if you don't really know what you're listening to. Right. But, but man, I think they keep it, Keep it just about as fresh as they possibly can with three-minute song times, especially. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I think that's kind of a boon because, like, the tracks, they come in, they do their thing, they leave, and it's it's just that fast. Like, it doesn't feel like they're harping on the same riff too long. You know, this album made me think that at at some point in the future... I'm gonna have to just pick a bad album so we can both just shit on it because I feel like <laughs> I feel like we've been having some good picks lately. Yeah, it has been good. And man, like I just got to pick a shitty album for us both to just shit on. <laughs> Maybe we'll both uh, we'll both declare now that we're gonna pick a shitty album before the end of the year. Hell yeah, let's do that. <laughs> I'm, that, that I'm virtually be. shaking your hand right now. Virtually shaking, of course, of course. But yeah, there, there's kind of a, a nice guitar solo section in this one, even like a kind of spoken word section. And it there's a big slowdown before the final section that just it fits perfectly, and then it kind of like rebuilds itself before the song just kind of like ends and leaves you hanging. Uh, lyrically, 
This one seemed more to be uh, a more coherent telling of his experiences of sobriety, where it seems like he doesn't feel like he's changed, just that he's been like concealing his past instead of building a future kind of a thing, where he feels like he's not himself and he sees other people looking at him like he's some reformed man, and it kind of makes him feel like there's grand expectations from him being sober when really he just feels empty inside because it was such a crush to have. Yeah, I like the last, I guess it's a verse. I don't know. Just the last portion of this song really hits it. Like the realization that who you've been for so long is now, it has to be gone. Just like where he says, I can't go back to what I was. Metallica without the drugs, a faith healer, with, a faith healer without the plant. There's no home for a hollow man. Like the feeling that the drugs or the alcohol or whatever it was him this whole time and that now he's like a sham without yeah. it and he's just like i can't what what do i do like i i'm not who I, i'm not me anymore i guess right. and real like coming to terms with it yeah and to further that kind of just one line before where you started reading it says guided only by a sickness not a purpose which is horrifying to think of from my perspective <laughs> just like not that I'm afraid of not having purpose. I'm pretty nihilistic when it comes to that shit, but just like being guided by a substance and then having that taken away has got to be like the worst feeling in the world. Just not having something to, to help guide you when you've been so reliant on it. Yeah. I don't know. Like quitting cigarettes was hard enough. I can only imagine like for to live the rock and roll lifestyle for like 15, 20 years and then just be like, well, guess it's gone now. <laughs> yeah. Like, there, there's nothing else there. I've, I've worshiped, you know, meth, alcohol, heroin. You know, I, I had a religion of speed that, that I was a, a, a priest of. And now I've, I've been kicked out of the clergy per se. Hell yeah. Track 10 religion of speed. <laughs> uh, that's how I'm going to read this out. This song title from now on, not religion of speed, like go fast religion of speed. Like just a church full of <laughs> people just old, fucking running only, around. Only way I could think to get in there. <laughs> hey, it worked. It was, it was nice. It this was one okay. is the long one that you were talking about. The long song. Yes. Where, like it's the longest song they've ever done. And it starts out with some super cool, fast acoustic. Followed by some heavy guitar. The acoustic. I like the mix up with the acoustic. It's, it's nice. Even if it is short. Notes. Well, I, I was at, I was embellishing because I'm remembering it in my head now. Like I like just the feeling of hearing it after having heard so much aggression where yeah. it's, it's short lived, but it's, it's, it's a nice reprieve, I guess. The song is not short lived. This is the longest one. On no, the, album, the, the, the acoustic, the acoustic yes. part of the out al- or of the song. That's true. There, there's a lot of like progression in this track, and I think this one being five minutes kind of allows itself to have more of those like fun key changes and, and fun riffs and stuff, uh, which is great. I really like the sound of the chorus on this one as well. The song kind of slows down to a stop at like the three and a half minute mark, and it just like leaves the guitar and the vocals, and then it kind of like gets reinforced by these triumphant like almost marching band esque licks that kind of come like the bump 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 kind of a thing that, that happens which is it's kind of fun change up from the the normal riffage on this album uh despite it being the longest track it certainly doesn't feel any longer than the other tracks do to me yeah i don't i was not at all sitting through this song thinking oh when's this over <laughs> right <laughs> how, how dare they write a, a song that is five minutes long and 
appropriately changes sounds throughout. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely the, the the prog song, I suppose, of the album. But even it's not really prog rock. It's just yeah, it, it progresses and it's cool. Yeah, it, it's not progressive. It progresses, <laughs> which yeah. makes it progressive, right? No. This, no, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> Lyrically, though, to me this this one seems like a big like carpe diem kind of track about kind of getting the most of your life while you can and and leaving a legacy that'll affect generations and not letting anything hold you back and kind of acknowledging that like everybody dies but not everybody lives so kind of make that opportunity for yourself and just fucking go out and live. Yeah, definitely it had a very uh, uplifting message. Which, I with him wanting to talk about the reality of death, I feel like I've always felt like that's kind of where people don't want to talk about it. It's if you can just really talk about it, it's kind of one of the most motivating things, factors of life. Like, yeah, even if you don't think you're currently making a difference doing whatever you're doing, as long as you're trying, just don't give up because you can't even try when you're dead. So right. just while you have the time. Don't think about how small what you're doing is. Don't think about, I'm not doing enough. Just do what you're doing and try to do it as well as you can. And try to do all that you can. Because one day you're not going to be able to. And at if you've done enough, or just whatever you did, the people around you are going to remember. They're gonna. That's how they're going to remember you. And you want to leave a good, lasting impression, I guess. Hell yeah. That's the most inspirational thing we've ever said. There should have been like trumpets behind them. Are, are, are trumpets inspirational? I, mean, I feel like they're, they're more triumphant. Depends, depends on how you, how you use them. Cause right. Like like taps is like a death song, like a, like a dirge kind of oh, thing. Oh shit. Yeah. Piano. Yes. There we go. Inspirational. I mean, piano can be either way too. I feel, uh, like, I feel like any instrument can be used in either way. That's what's cool about instruments and music. Um, a, a, a duplicate room across of another room that is just as real but not as brightly lit as <laughs> wow i had no idea where you were going with that i was looking at him like is he, what's he what's he talking about is he just is he doing it? just as real but not as brightly lit it's track number 11 <laughs> great segue question mark let us know in the comments if it would have made sense it would have been <laughs> Yeah, this one, it, it feels like another like rocket-powered car that just launches us straight into the sun with the energy uh, on this one. The second section comes in, and the guitar groove in it is just so fucking good. I really like the riffage on this one. And I know I keep saying that, but it's true. They've, they've fucking nailed, they've, they've boiled down hot riffage to a science, and they, they've just fucking <laughs> splattered it all over this fucking album. Uh, but yeah, the fucking, the last section of this album as well. It just feels like I'm being smacked in the back of the head. It's just like just being forced to headbang because it's just so like incredibly powerful. What a great feeling. I haven't had like, there's not many occasions in which I've had that feeling where you just notice yourself. Like, I mean, I'm not like sitting in my office just like fucking windmilling my, my head, <laughs> oh, I hairless do. head. <laughs> I but... definitely do. Maybe not in my office, but my living room. Absolutely. <laughs> Oh, my living room. It's fucking no holds barred in there. <laughs> but that, that room is just as real, but not as brightly lit. <laughs> exactly. Uh, it's, yeah, like the riffage is absolutely fucking real on this on this whole album, on this song. And uh, man, this, this song 
throughout most of it is just speed and anger and personified and it's great uh good the lyrics i don't know if this is just me trying to make a through line for lyrics at this point but it seems to be talking about losing everything and just trying to find purpose in what you perceive as a meaningless life i guess it could be an alternate reality where he actually did lose his wife and daughter or it could be I guess a reference to losing his control when it comes to his emotions or drinking. I, f- I felt like it was kind of like about facing his past kind of a thing where he, he, he feels like he's saying like, you can't let your shadow follow you around and remind you that you fucked up. You have to use that reminder to make better decisions. Kind of like what you were saying in, in the past about dying, being a good motivator, like use your, your past fuck ups as a motivator and, and make better decisions in your future again and instead of being miserable because you fucked up kind of turn that experience into an advantage kind of thing and i I say that mostly i think the line that stood out to me the most on that is uh nothing will change if you don't lead with your shadow so that to me was just kind of like okay using your shadow something that haunts you and follows you that you've done in the past to kind of lead the way to help you make better decisions in the future what a nice line, man. And that's, that's so true. You got to follow, I guess your mistakes. You can't really learn without failings. It, even if you're just taking small steps, cause they really add up over time. Like if you were to take like an inch step every day since 1977, just one a day by now, I mean, you'd have moved miles you, and you would have moved on to track number 12, perhaps. Yeah, all the way there. Which is titled 1977. Yeah. (laughs) That was a good one. That was a good one. I I heard it happen and I smiled like an idiot. I was like, yep, that's a good one. (laughs) Well, I wish I could have seen your idiot smile, but I'm not not there. (laughs) (laughs) Indeed. This one uh, has a pretty like Metallica-esque riff to it, I thought, and I I really like it. The second riff that comes in is notably not Metallica-esque, and I also (laughs) like it. Uh, there's a very like melodic lick in the pre-chorus section that catches me off guard and guess what I like it and then the fucking the ending section of the song where he's just screaming stare at the sun directly <laughs> into the sun I just I fucking I, I love it there's so much energy and passion in it it is it's fun it's fun to scream along with hell yeah it is and I'm glad you mentioned Metallica because I described the opening of this song as a more metal version of Metallica <laughs> yeah I feel like it it might be intentional I was thinking maybe I was looking too far into it but even in the first section of lyrics they say trapped under ice at fathomless, at fathomless depth which trapped under ice is a, is a Metallica thing so you know I feel like it it may, maybe it was intentional I mean I'm sure Metallica's an influence on them. Oh, so. for sure. I mean they even they even mentioned in that, that other song, I think Religion of Speed, that it was like Metallica without the drugs. Yeah. You know what? Maybe they are going for Metallica, but they do Metallica better than Metallica does. So. <laughs> That's a hot take, but I don't disagree. <laughs> <laughs> See, I don't dislike Metallica, but I feel like they've they've been very hit or miss over early Metallica, cool, great. Yeah. But then as time went on, it was like, uh what? Yeah, I think they deserve the respect that they get for yeah. their older stuff, but I think they also deserve a lot of the criticism that they get for the newer stuff. Yeah, because... not to say that I don't like their newer stuff. I I, also, I, I kind of enjoy um, Hardwired Self Destruct. That double album was it's pretty good in my opinion, but it's it's not the same thing as old Metallica. Yeah, it'll never happen again. That was that was lightning captured in a bottle, and they wrote Cliff the lightning. Bur- 
Cliff Burton was still there. So, <laughs> are you I'm, talking talking down about Robert Trujillo? Trujillo, Trujillo, Trujillo. That was. My, I think it's Trujillo. I don't. Yeah, know. that, that sounds more right. I liked Robert Trujillo more in his other band. Whatever, what a fucking hipster. No, it was. <laughs> they did a cover of Fame. I can't remember what they were called. Like it was like. Shit, that's going to bother me. (laughs) Well, you can look it up. I'll talk about the lyrics for 1997. This one, it felt like it was kind of a combination of the prior two tracks, kind of bringing both themes, I think, to to a one cohesive kind of song where there's this kind of energetic motivation for living up your life and not letting your past stop that. And instead of regretting your mistakes, you're kind of inspired by them to keep moving and to make something bigger instead of being held back by it. Yeah, that's pretty much what I got. Like you're never so far gone that you can't come back from it. Yeah. And you can you're always you can always move forward from where whatever point you are at currently. Yeah, he's, um, he says I really like he says life isn't ours, we are property of life. So take what you can when you can while you can kind of a thing, which is just a big like, fuck yeah, keep keep doing your thing. Keep on doing it, man. And also, Robert Trujillo, he was in Suicidal Tendencies. That is not the band that I was thinking of, but I do like that band more <laughs> than I like later era Metallica. Infectious Grooves is the band I was thinking of. And they this did album a has a lot of infectious grooves. It does. It really does. Maybe that was like, that was the through line that we needed all, all along. It was there. Metallica, Infectious Grooves, Every Time I Die. It's all the same. Hell yeah. It, <laughs> it is all the same. <laughs> <laughs> it's a... Uh, uh... Track number 13, <laughs> map change. Man, Move whenever I'm playing Apex Legends and I get King's Canyon, <laughs> I think it's time for a map change. No, it's not. King's Canyon's yeah. the, the good one. Yeah, but I couldn't remember the shitty one, so I had to see King's Canyon. <laughs> yeah, well, track number 13, map change. Rounding out the end of the album. This one, it starts with some like amp feedback uh, and then quickly launches into a very like epic sounding ending track. This whole song is catchy as fuck, and this is this is one that I kind of alluded to earlier. And I just I always have parts of this the song stuck in my head. And my favorite part is just where where the song kind of breaks for a second. He says, "I assure you that hell is not a myth. We both vacation there." And he just screams it, and it's just it's such a good like midsection to just break things up, and I, I love it. I love every section in the song. It's just it has so much punch. And then it, it kind of lets itself hang before the final chorus. And it just comes back with the perfect amount of weight. I, I honestly think this is like the perfect rock song for me. It's so like moody at points. It's hype at points. And it just like, I don't know, it fades out and just melts away to end the album. It's just, it's fucking great. I love the song. Yeah, it really is a great showcase of the different sounds that they put on the album. It has it has that slower rock feel mm-hmm. more towards the beginning, but then it also has that post-punk faster feel to it. And there's a lot of powerful, clean vocals on here that I really like as yeah. well, where he's spent a lot of the time with his super aggressive voice. He still brings that, he can still bring that power and aggression without the harshness. And I feel like this makes for a great ending track to the standard version of this album. <laughs> did you did you listen to the the bonus tracks? I did. I didn't write any notes on them. Okay, cool. But Neither did I. 
Okay, cool. <laughs> We're on the same page there. <laughs> I, we've we've stuck with the theme of doing just the regular standard track, so I was like, I'm going to take a risk and not write, not write notes on these songs. So it all paid off. Uh, Hell yeah. Me, lyrically, I actually wrote a lot for lyrics on this, and I'm not sure why. Maybe this is just general thoughts for the end of the album as well. But uh, to me, the mood of the song is is kind of one of mourning, but also clarity. It seems very final. Like, this is the end of the journey. And with that comes retrospection and hindsight that allows you to see the, the full picture. He's gone through hell. He's gone through the lowest of lows. And he feels like he's dragged his world, potentially his wife, down with him with all the shit that he's been through. And it's kind of, it's hard to see someone you care about dealing with that. So he he's kind of acknowledging that from his wife's perspective, it could not have been easier for her. A, because she was the one that was physically in jeopardy. But seeing her husband kind of going through that shit definitely would not have helped uh there is something redeeming though i think throughout his experience he didn't give up like the song is is mostly in a negative light but kind of pulling the positive out of it he didn't give up the storm came the city was abandoned is what he says but but he remained he didn't run from the storm even if it meant death and i think there's some sort of like spiritual death that he experienced or maybe just coming to terms with the death of his past life kind of a thing but there's it's i don't know it feels like he's sinking because he he destroyed part of himself or his past part but from that came this album and i'm fucking jazzed about it because it's a fucking great album i think good good comes from the negative i guess is to boil down everything i just rambled about definitely like this song i feel like it it does a great job of touching on every topic that this album talked about in general like mm-hmm. it's about realizing our place in the world in life and that while we're small the lives we live aren't small to the people that are around us and that's why we have to keep keep fighting keep going keep trying even if we feel like we can't or like we lose part of ourselves or if we feel like it's all pointless we owe it to those we love and to ourselves to fight in whatever way we can because like like we had said previously like no matter where you are you can always move forward mm-hmm. there's never so much of a wall in front of you that you can't f- find a way to the other side of it what a good message what Fucking a great message good on you keith buckley i'm excited for your your old's new album see what happens with that i, don't I like the artwork on yeah, a, on a lot of the singles i don't remember when that album's supposed to come out but uh, they do have a new album coming out this year, I think. October? Sometime, maybe? I don't know. Every time I die, I'm, I'm a fan of this band. I've not looked back through their other music, which makes me a bad fan, I, I suppose. But I fucking love this album. I'm excited for the new one. Uh, what are we doing next week, though, Joey? Next week? Okay, so it was kind of a toss-up, but I decided on an album that I didn't think we were going to be doing so soon. But I think it's time. We're going the on band. a journey. We're going, yeah, we are going on a journey because <laughs> this was supposed to be part of a journey, and I was like, "Fuck it, you know what we're doing? We're doing it. We're ripping the cord." And this, hey, maybe this is going to be a bunch of albums that you think are absolute shit. So maybe, maybe, maybe you don't maybe have we, to try so hard at all. <laughs> yeah, uh, because next week we're listening to an album by Mischief Brew, and uh, the album is called "Songs from Under the Sink." So under the sink, under the sink. <laughs> It's uh, I can't not make that joke. I'm sorry. Well, we're gonna be hearing it a lot next week, folks. (laughs) 
Folks. Folks. Is that is that some some forewarning that we're listening to folk music? Uh yeah, it's 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 on the verge of folk punk. I feel like it okay. it I feel like so the I, I guess I'm not gonna get into history right Th- now. This is of, this is Joey's revenge for me calling this album punk. So I'll show you what punk is. I mean Yeah, like <laughs> <laughs> the 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 lead singer, uh Eric Peterson, rest in peace. He uh he was in, in a an awesome punk band called the orphans previously. And it's uh, now this is his more folky punk band. Okay. Okay. Mischief I'm not, I'm not going to hate it just, just yet, but maybe I will next week. Maybe we'll come back and I hate it. Are we going to do um, a couple albums afterwards in this, this vein as well, since this was originally supposed to be part of a journey. Yeah. I'm going to have to, we'll think about it. I'm going to have to do some rearranging, but, uh, you know, I, mm-hmm. I, I think there's it's going to be some of this. Unless it's just like you pull the ripcord halfway through and you're like, I'm fucking <laughs> I out, I fucking dude. hate it. I fucking like, hate it. No, I'm down, I'm down to, to ride through hell. You know, Keith Buckley's given me the desire to just suck it up and deal with it, you know? Well, cool. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> so, yeah, next week uh, we're going to be talking about Mischief Brews, Songs from Under the Sink. Under the Sink. Um, you guys listen along. Let us know what you think of it. Let, let us know what you think. Keith Buckley, if you're out there and want to... I'm going to show up on our podcast. I'm down. We can talk about your new album, maybe, or just death in general and your experience with that shit. Cause it's fucking, it's cool. It's, it's refreshing to hear people talk about death in a not negative way and acceptance from that. Uh, but yeah, let us know what you guys think. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all the social medias, all of the platforms. Send us, send us things, comments, likes, whatever. Just, just, just notice me, senpai, is what I'm what I'm getting at here. Send us attention. Send us attention. Stay in our feedback loop. Bye. Bye.